This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Your official station to talk Giants. The Fan, 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Download it today. Good for Marco. Sal got it back on the fan. Enjoying those days off. He's earned it. Good for you, Marco. Salicato getting into the Mike White stuff, of course, in the first hour. We've gotten into a lot of Rangers as they lose to the Devils. A disappointing performance from them. We got to get into the baseball stuff in a little bit. Odell Beckham Jr. I uh, want to get into as well. I told you about that Connor McDavid story that I just thought was great. Now I got to remember the whole thing uh, and how it went down on Wednesday night at UBS. But that was fun as well. Monday night football, you had the Colts going down yet again. Kenny Pickett looked tremendous for the Steelers. And look, I know Matty Ice is getting ripped apart here. Leave Matty Ice alone. It's not his fault that the Colts suck. It is the Colts' idiotic owner's fault. Matt Ryan's doing all that he could with that team. I mean, eh, look, Jonathan Taylor can't even hold on to the football. Matt Ryan goes to hand off to him. I just, I'm so tired of the disrespect that's being put on Matt Ryan's name, where you have a guy who should be a Hall of Famer, was a league MVP, should have won a Super Bowl. Again, none of this is his fault, and it couldn't. He's such a nice, good person. It really hurts me that he'll always be remembered for 28 to three, and now is being dragged because the Colts suck. Uh, I wish it was a, a better circumstance for him, but unfortunately it's not. And the Jeff Saturday dream of him you know, going on a magical run, that has come to an end because they lost that game to the Eagles. They played well, but they still lost that game. And now losing a second straight against Pittsburgh, it, it's not enough, I wouldn't think, to make you think anything other than Jeff Saturday is going to be interim. And that's it. 87's older with their owner. Who the hell knows? 877-337-6666. Tom is calling from Danbury, Connecticut. What's up, Tom? Hey, Sal. Um, I'm not a Ranger fan, and Ranger fans aren't going to like what I have to say. But the expectations coming into this season were skewed. So let me contextualize that, please. When you look at the playoff rounds from last year, the Rangers were on their way to getting crushed in five games against Pittsburgh. You look at the, the series. Well, what do you mean they didn't? Well, let me explain. At worst, it was a cheap shot, and at best, it was. Oh, give me, give me a break! Are you a Penguins fan? I'm a hockey fan. Okay. Well, well, what team do you root for? You have to have a team, no? Uh, not really. I don't really root too oh, much yeah. for favorites anymore. Yeah. They get too emotional, yeah. so I don't really have a favorite. Just, uh, just a fan. I'm not buying it. I think you're a Penguins fan. FYI, I'm not a Penguins yeah. fan, okay. but that's okay. That's okay. You know that series totally changed when they took Crosby out. Yeah, you go to round, you go to round two. Carolina owned the Rangers last season. And what happened? I, I what happened was, and I blame Brindamore, who's a good coach. They didn't have the team ready to play. Took the Rangers for granted, and the Rangers got away. It went seven games, but the Rangers barely got past that series. They, Carolina's a better team than the Rangers. 
Then you go to the Tampa Bay Oh, they weren't last year. They weren't in the series. Simple as that. They got beat. I mean, now you're going to nitpick the Rangers winning these series? Come on. They came back on they came back on Pittsburgh even after a horrific game one with the bad call that went against them. No Crosby. Yeah. What, what no is, Crosby. I don't care. I don't care. That's part of it. I mean, what do you mean? He's a generational player. It's valid that he's not out. That he so what? The Rangers Bay. were better. You, wait a second. If you're going to say that the Hurricanes were better than the Rangers all year, the Rangers were better than the Penguins. No, I'm saying series by series. The, the Rangers to- won the two series. You want to get on them for not being good enough to beat the Lightning? So be it. After being up what? They were up 2 nothing in that series. They, were up, they, yeah. they won the first game, yeah. and then it started to slip away. Then they lost four straight. Okay, so they went all out. All right, so that what? Is- that was not who they were. They got breaks all along the way mm-hmm. in the postseason. Who was yes, the best goalie? Who was the best goalie in the NHL last year? Okay, should, by, by who the was award, the best goalie in the NHL last year? It's a very simple question. It was Shesterkin. Igor. <laughs> Igor. Okay. Goodbye, Igor. Igor. Look, you want to knock the Rangers this year? So be it. Don't give me all oh, their expectations. Were... Hey, they went to the Eastern Conference Finals. The expectations should be raised. Right or wrong. And by the way, even if you are saying, you know what, their expectations should not have been as high as they were, which I can understand, it still does not mean that they should be where they are right now. They are not a 500 team. They're better than that. They should be better than that. So you want to say that hey the the temper the expectation should be tempered they're not going to be a Stanley Cup team understood you can't tell me though that the Rangers are a garbage team and start making excuses because Crosby got hurt <laughs> oh, Crosby got hurt again because of a clean hit by the captain because it was a clean hit I know everybody wants to cry foul but that's just because their guy got hurt. Pittsburgh was lucky to even be up 3-1 in that series. Give me a break. And then you're going to make an excuse, well, Carolina was the better team. Yeah, but what they do in the postseason? They might have been the better team in the regular season, and by the way, it was by a hair, and then they got beat in the postseason. So what happened? Come on. You, you could take away this year. You cannot take away last year. Eli's calling from Elkins Park. What's up, Eli? Hey, Sal. Obviously, as a Jets fan, I'm thrilled with the performance of Mike White yesterday. I'm looking forward to Sunday against Minnesota. But I just wanted to say, all I've been hearing for the past 24 hours, obviously, is a lot of speculation about what's Rob Sala going to do going forward. Is it going to be Zach? Is it going to be Mike? I just want to say that when he's been saying that he's taking it week by week, I think that's not the typical coaching cliche answer. I think he really means it. He doesn't know. And that he's going to take a week by week. And He's going to see, is Mike going to keep it up? Or is it, is it going to be a disaster? And is he going to go back to Zach? I think it means it, and that's, that's all I have to say. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think you're right. I don't know, and thank you for the call. I don't know why anybody would think otherwise. I 100% believe him. And he should be saying that. My issue is with the people asking the questions or people expecting to get a commitment. Why would you need a commitment right now on Mike White being the starter. He's the starter for now. I told you, or I I didn't tell you because I wasn't on, but I tweeted it. People, when they made the announcement officially that Mike White was being benched, or excuse me, that Zach Wilson was being benched in favor of Mike White, 
people were going nuts saying, oh, this is the end of Zach Wilson. Oh, that's it. Comes crashing down. Like, the, this, the, the media narratives out there, and I see with the hot stove stuff too, it's nauseating. It is actually nauseating, whether it is fans on social media, whether it is media members alike who just don't get it. They don't use common sense. They don't think things through. I'm not talking about predictions. Which, oh, yeah, go, how did Elise go? Yeah, okay, that's a prediction, you moron. It's different than actually using some common sense to see what is actually happening instead of you using your opinion. The Jets are not moving on from Zach Wilson by benching him in favor of Mike White last week. That was not what was happening by a long stretch. It wasn't what was happening. But yet people were saying that and making it think like that was the case or making it seem like that was the case. Wrong. That's not the case. Now, that doesn't mean that Zach Wilson's going to get the start this week. Obviously, he's not. Use common sense. I have no sources. I don't talk to anybody. Well, I mean, I do talk to some people, but I'm not a reporter. I'm not trying to get information within the organization. I don't care. I'm using common sense here. The same way, by the way, and you're listening to somebody who is a big Zach Wilson fan, right? I didn't think the Jets were ready to beat New England. Now, I didn't think that Zach Wilson would be as bad as he did, but I thought the Patriots would win that game. That was correct. And then after watching that game, I said flat out, the Jets have to sit his ass, quote, in referring to Zach Wilson. Now, many people were saying they should have been Zach Wilson earlier in the season. And I said, no, that is not the right time. You can't do that. For what? For Mike White? What are you kidding me? However, after that New England game, it was clear they had to bench him to send him a message. They're calling it a reset. I'm saying they had to send him a message and try to get him right, get him back on track. Maybe reset is the final, whatever. But in no way does that mean that's the end of Zach Wilson. Mike White will be given an opportunity here. Only he can control what happens from here. He, Mike White, it's his job to force their hand and make sure they can't even contemplate going back to Zach Wilson. That's Mike White's job. Because if he goes out there and throws for 300 yards and three touchdowns, doesn't make any mistakes, and goes 22 of 28 or whatever it may be moving forward, there's no way you can ever take him out. Now, he doesn't have to do it every single game, but if he does it three out of every four or whatever it may be, then then yeah, then he's going to be their guy. But this is his opportunity. That's what Saul is saying. He's not going to commit to him and say he's our starter, and then all of a sudden Mike White goes out there and throws three interceptions against the uh, Vikings, and then Mike White goes out there and fumbles the football, makes bad decisions, throws a couple of picks against Buffalo, and then what? Robert Sala said, well, he was my starter, so he's going to be starting. No, they're going to go back to Zach Wilson. He's keeping things open. What does he got to tell you that? Why can't you just use common sense? What do you think, he's stupid? Sala knows the deal. I'm not going to commit to saying Mike White's my guy when right now anything's on the table. He could go out there and lay an egg. I know you guys think he's the greatest quarterback ever, but he could go out there and stink on Sunday. And then what? Now, like I said, I think Mike White will get more then even if he has an awful game on Sunday, he will get at least another game, maybe more. But know this, it is not the end of Zach Wilson. Rob is calling from Brooklyn. What's up, Rob? Hey, Sean. How you doing, brother? How are you, Rob? 
I'm all right. Um, just real quick, the guy. Your before, Rangers suck. Look, the guy before was definitely a Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh, sorry. no doubt. Yeah. He was bad, so. yeah. Sorry, I just had to get out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, he's not fooling us, Rob. Come on. No, come on. Okay. Oh, Crosby got hurt. Oh. oh, yeah, what team do you refer? Oh, I don't refer any team. I just love hockey. Yeah, okay. Okay, moving on. I'm sorry. Look, look, we know sports is all about confidence. The Rangers have four. Their next four games are winnable. They, they, they do well. They win those four or do three and one or whatever. Get Igor back on track. The only difference between this team from this year and last year is Igor is not playing the same way he did last year. Right. Um, get back on track because after that, they got four rough games coming up after those, you know, those easy four coming up. And, you know, you get back on track, you get um, Vegas coming. You know, Igor gets back on track, you know, you're going to run. So I'm not yeah, but he... the towel. Aren't you a little worried, Rob? You're I'm right worried. about you're right about confidence, and you've been worried before I was. Yes, but, yes, we both but, been. But the way that they have been playing here, blowing these leads, and okay. not even that. Like I'm not even gonna look around the NHL. Just look right. in this town. The right. Devils and Islanders are significantly better. They are. They are. I mean, right now, yes. that's a problem. And then I'm worried, maybe more so about Chesterkin than anything else. I I believe he can still be a great goalie. I don't think last year was a fluke. But his confidence, at least maybe for a year, I mean, he's he needs a reset. He's shaking right now. This it's not I'm just saying. him, but this, yeah. This is what I'm saying. You get these four games and you all do well. They do well. You know, you start, hey, you know what? I'm I'm a, I'm a number one goldie. I, I could do this. Yeah. And I just want to make one quick point. Call a couple calls ago, said something about Ryan Reeves, and I agree with him. Yes, what he did didn't necessarily show up on the stat sheet. Yes, but this is one thing I would say about Ryan Reeves when he was on his fourth line. They kept the puck in the other team's offensive zone, and they would wear him out, and then the line that came on would feed off of that. He had a certain energy. It was intangible that he brought to the team right. that I think they're missing. He didn't play, but, you know, he only was getting seven, eight minutes a night anyway. That wasn't killing the team because who's really better than him? Right now, right, I mean, but what was he doing? That's my. I mean, you, you. Could, I'm, I'm telling you, what I, I think know, he did. I know, but he wasn't. He was doing it. Look, here's here's my issue, I guess. And again, I loved Reeves, and I know mm. what he brought. I just don't know if it's a necessity anymore. In the fighting t- part is not. No, they, yeah. don't fight, they don't fight no more. All but right, so say, so now you have a limited player that's what, supposed to skate around for a couple minutes and just bring energy? I mean, it shouldn't take that. you got a guy shouldn't. that's playing eight minutes a night and we're going to make a big difference instead of potentially clearing cap space that could actually get a productive player in here? But he didn't take that much against the cap. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So you really you could have double-shipped him. You could put the other players on the fourth line, made it more exciting, but... You know, I'm not saying he's the reason why they're in the position. Did they, they give are. a reason? I didn't see it. Did they? Did they speak on why they let him? I just read wanted, that it was. He a... wanted to be traded because he wasn't playing. That's, oh, okay. what they, that's what I heard. So, okay. you know, I'm not going to throw in the towel yet. I think these next four games are pivotal, pivotal for them. If they could do well in these four games, hey man, look, anything can happen in sports. So, you know, thanks for taking the call, Sal. As always, it was a pleasure. Oh, thank you, Rob. I appreciate you making the call as always. And yeah, by the way, when I say that the Rangers. You know, are, are not as good as the Devils and Islanders. I mean, I think that's factual at the moment. And I'm also not saying, you know, we could say we were worried about the range a little bit. I'm not saying the season's over, not by a long stretch. I mean, just getting started here. 23 games in, a long way to go. They'll be all right, but I, I am concerned.
And I'm more so concerned because Gallant doesn't seem to have the answers. It's like, yeah, well, playing well, it's just not, the, you know, not well enough. It's not good enough. Yeah, well, that's obvious. And then why the blown leads? Like I said, Shesterkin, to me, is front and center. Everything comes from that. I do think they need to get better in front of him, clearly. But I also think that he is the biggest problem because the expectations of him. You know, the the Penguins fan caller before could call about the expectations of the team going into the year, sure. But the expectations of Shesterkin is that he's supposed to be the best. He's their best player. And he hasn't been playing like that. And without him being their best player, they're in trouble. Simple as that. That would be the concerning thing. Or the alarming thing about the Rangers play. If they weren't getting it done, but Shesterkin was lights out, and hey, the guy's making 45 saves, but you know they're not scoring enough in front of him. Or the power play is not clicking. Or, you know, whatever. The the top six aren't getting the job done. I think those are things that you can maybe, you know, I don't want to say you could fix right away, but you could change some things and, you know, maybe make a big trade at the deadline that could help out, whatever. If Shesterkin is not playing at the top of his game, they are toast. So it starts with that. Regardless of what Galant says, regardless of the line changes or what Panarin or anybody else can do, if Shesterkin does not get back to being a top goalie, he doesn't have to win the Vesna every year. If he doesn't get back to being a top goalie, they have no shot. We need your second opinion. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Got it back on the fan. 877-337-6666 is the number to call. Week 12 in the NFL. That's a wrap as we look ahead to week 13, which will get started with a huge game. When you look at the AFC East landscape, obviously all our focus has been on the Jets. Obviously the Jets and Giants combined, but so far for today's show, coming off the Sunday win with Mike White, it's been more about the Jets, of course, after the Giants' disappointing performance on Thanksgiving against Dallas. But the AFC East, Bills, Patriots, Thursday night, does not get much better than that. And, you know, if you look at the landscape, really of, uh, I mean, you can look at the NFC and the uh, AFC, and you basically got it down to, in the NFC, there's eight teams. And in the AFC, there's basically nine teams that can or will make the postseason. You know, seven of those nine teams are going to end up making the postseason. Everybody else is out. Broncos done, Raiders done, you got the Chiefs and Chargers, two teams in the West. In the South, it is the Titans, everybody else is done, the Colts, Jaguars, Texans are done. In the North, you know, it's, I mean, I look, I, I think the Browns and Steelers are still done, seven losses already, the, those teams are done. You got the Ravens and Bengals, and I the Ravens stink, I mean, I, I know they're 7-4, and four. they keep blowing these leads late like that, I think the Bengals are the better team in that division of those two. Anyway, that's five right there, right? 
Chiefs, Chargers, Titans, Ravens, Bengals. That's five. And then all the AFC East. There's your nine right there. Who do the Jets root for? I feel like we had this discussion last year. Bills or Pats? I mean, you kind of need the Pats to lose. Because if you want to just make the playoffs and you're not, you're not worried about the division, you need the Pats to lose because they own the tiebreaker. If New England wins, they then leapfrog the Jets. And obviously, Buffalo still has the one more win than the Jets do. I mean, either way, you could look at it positive or negative, depending on how you look at it. But one of them is going to lose. But a huge matchup getting Week 13 started. Then, of course, in the NFC, we're talking about with the Giants. If the Giants will get set to take on Washington, an enormous game for them at 1 o'clock. And I hate having both these Jets and Giant games on at 1. It drives me nuts. Anyway, you have all of the NFC East. That's five right there. And then basically one team in every division except the West, where you have the Niners and the Seahawks. Niners, Seahawks, the winner of the pathetic South, which will likely be the Bucs. It's not going to be the Falcons. They missed their opportunity. But the pathetic NFC South, you get one team there. Niners, Seattle, and then Minnesota. Lions are done. Green Bay's done. So, and it's the same thing. I mean, look at it. Wild when you think about that. How you can narrow it down. I don't think Seattle's that good. They've now lost two straight all of a sudden coming back down to earth. You can have a realistic scenario where you get all of the NFC East in and just the division winners. Isn't that crazy? I guess you could get the same thing in the AFC East. Four, five, six. No, actually, you could not. Well, wait. One. Two, three, four, five, six. No, because you're going to get, I mean, unless the Bengals or Ravens fall apart, I don't think you're going to be able to do that because everybody's going to be beating each other up. I mean, I guess you could say similar to the NFC East. The problem is every other team in the NFC stinks. Alex is calling from Brooklyn. What's up, Alex? Hello. Hey, Thanks for taking my calls off. What's up, Alex? How are you? Uh, before I get to my Jets point, I just want to know, um, do you think the Mets have any hope this season? Do you think they have any chance to make it anywhere deep in the playoffs? The who? The Brooklyn Nets. Um, I don't think they're going to win the championship. I mean, as long as KD is there, and I know KD had a big night last night, as long as they have KD and Kyrie, there will always be a threat. But I don't, Alex, believe that they are good enough as a team. I mean, how many times have we got to see it? I gave them a chance before this season. That, you know what, this will be the year where they put it all together and make a, a legit run. And how'd that work out? It hasn't worked out so far. Long way to go, I get it. They'll be as dangerous as anybody if, in fact, they do get to the postseason once the postseason gets underway. But I cannot buy in a Brooklyn and at this point say that they're going to be a championship-caliber team. I don't think they're cut out for it. And about the Jets, um, if Mike White from now on just plays like subpar, you know, a little above Zach Wilson has, in his seven games, how long do you think um, the Jets will play him and bench Zach Wilson if if Mike White just plays like his subpar level? 
Well, give me the give me the example. Subpar meaning what? I mean, are we talking about making mistakes that's costing the team? Are we talking about playing average football and the team's not winning? Well, give give me the you got to give me a little bit more specifics. Like a little like Zach Wilson in the first part of the season. Like they're winning games, but Zach is not playing great. And then when it comes to the crucial time, he's just not good. Yeah, that's a tough call. And I would think if they're winning games and Mike White is not making mistakes that are costing them, they will continue to ride with Mike White. I mean, maybe they do that for, and thanks for the call, Alex. Let's say that they lose one of the next two games. Let's say the Jets win in Minnesota. Mike White has another big game. Then he has a bad game in Buffalo, and they lose that one. Then he's okay against Detroit. And they win. And he's okay against Jacksonville, and they win. I don't, like, I, I don't, even if he's subpar, to use your term, I don't see how they're going to go back to Zach Wilson unless they were losing. If he's subpar or average and they lose a couple, then I think they say, hey, you know what? We need to kick it in gear here. I, I don't believe, if you had asked me right now, I don't think you'll see Zach Wilson any earlier than week 17. Mike White would have to really screw up the next two weeks to have Wilson come back for either the fifteen week 15 game against Detroit or week 16 against Jacksonville. And maybe they feel better about putting Zach in on the road, not having him to play at home. Also depends, like I said on the record, there are so many variables here. Who the hell knows? Bottom line is this. If Mike White plays well, he's going to be the quarterback. If they continue to win, he's going to be the quarterback. I would be surprised if anything other than that. And like I said, if they feel, even if they're winning and they have a chance and they feel like Wilson could take him to another level, they feel like he's ready by week 17, that would probably be the time. And also send the message for this is going to be our guy next year. They'll evaluate Mike White, see how he does here over the next several weeks. Tommy's calling from Staten Island. What's up, Tommy? Hey, Sal. Good morning, man. How you doing? Good morning, Tommy. How are you? Not too bad. I'm a frustrated Ranger fan. I uh, can't think what's going on here. A uh, couple of calls previous, uh, previously. Uh, so many thunder in regards to they, they just, they just, something's just not clicking with this team. Uh, obviously, Hugo, like you were mentioning, is not playing is is not playing like himself. He was the best goalie in the league last year. It was something I was just trying to get, trying to pick your brain, see if there's any kind of changes they could possibly make to see, uh, to, to try to right the ship here. I honestly don't know what those changes would be. I mean, you're talking about lineup changes, you're talking about making trades. Some, Drury's got to do something about it because they cannot continue to falter like this and not have any answers. Now, you also don't want to have guys playing scared or being on edge and worried about what the hell's going to happen here. But they got to get it turned around and turned around quickly. And if the coach can't figure it out, then maybe that's – and then look, Drew just brought this guy in here with Gallant. He right. did a great job last year. But we have seen crazier things happen before. I, I, don't, I don't have the answers. I mean, I hope Chris Drury – has the answers. I don't have those answers because it's so early on, Tommy, that I'm not sure is, if there's it. much they could do right now. I mean, for the most part, as we were alluding to earlier, they're kind of the same team like they were last year, uh, minus Stroh, and you brought in Trocek to kind of right. replace him. It's a good pickup on, his, on on their end. 
But, uh, you know, they, they got, they put all their, their chips in at the trade deadline. That's why they got, you know, uh, Mott and Cobb mm-hmm. and Toronto. They played really well. I don't think they're going to do that this time if they're not there. Uh, but, but thanks for the time, Sal. Well, I, no, thank you, Tommy. I appreciate the call. I mean, maybe they won't make the similar moves, but maybe they make a bigger move that wouldn't just be for now, but also for the future. I mean, I'm not sure what those moves are. That's what Drury's got to figure out. Problem is, y- you, they need Shesterkin to get right. First and foremost, they need Shesterkin to get right. Then he's got to figure out, okay, well, what's the issue in front of Shesterkin? You know, and I really think a big part of it, you know, maybe it's figuring out that Lafreniere and Kako were not going to be what you thought they were going to be. I'm not saying you got to trade both, but maybe you trade one of those guys. And we talked about that last year. Instead of the potential of what Lafreniere and Kako were supposed to be or could be, you could trade those guys for what is. And remember, we took a lot of calls last year after the postseason series, uh, or after the postseason, I should say, where fans were saying, and rightfully so, hey, I'm glad they didn't trade those guys. And I was one of them as well. Yeah, I'm glad. And I wanted one of them to get traded. I would have traded Lafreniere because I liked Kako, and I still like Kako better than Lafreniere. But the point is, you know, maybe you trade one of those young guys to get a known commodity. That was then. Now they held on to him, and neither of those guys have developed into the player that the Rangers drafted him to be. When you draft guys one and two overall, I mean, you, they got to be franchise-changing players. And these guys are non-factors. They're, they have zero impact. That's a big part of the problem. If you were to ask me right now the biggest reasons why the Rangers have struggled... It would be Shesterkin, number one. And number two, those young guys not developing and taking another step. That's what they needed to happen. Eli is calling from Washingtonville. What's up, Eli? Hey, what's going on? Uh, listen, uh, well, that's my Giants point. Um, it comes to Zach Wilson. Listen, I don't see him taking over this team or, or taking the starting quarterback role again just for one reason. The guy had lost every single player in that locker room. If you hear the, the the comments of players after the game, and, you know, he, he lost Elijah Moore in the beginning right. of the season, where Elijah was like, yo, I want to get out of this this, this team because, you know, he didn't blame anybody, but you could you could read, read in the in the leaves. Exactly. That. Well, now, yeah. yeah, now, use common sense. Now, what do you think was happening? He didn't like Zach Wilson. Yeah, and he had a reason. And then Greg Wilson turned on in the last game with the, with the, with the Patriots. And, you know, and then with the coaches, you know, uh, Salah just saying all these, uh, you know, these interwindows where, you know, he's making a, you know, he made the, the easy throws look easy. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that was a shot at Zach Wilson. You know, a guy could do a check down for his life. You know, you throw uh, uh, the ball a mile and try to make a spectacular throw, but can't throw it to a running back 10 yards, you know, down. Right. So I think that's why he he's not coming back as a quarterback. I don't see it. Ever? I don't see it happening. Ever, because he lost everybody. Yeah, in no, the, I don't. Th- about, yeah. I look, now, they're going to give him another chance. I mean, unless Mike White makes sure that they can't even give him the opportunity, and then they'd have to reassess in the offseason, but 
the end is not is here is not here for Zach Wilson. It's not over yet. So he's going to get another opportunity, whether it's this year, whether it's next year. Zach Wilson will get another opportunity, and also Eli, he may have lost the locker room. There's ways to win that back. You can't just say all of a sudden, oh, we hate Zach Wilson, and he's always going to be the same. We'll always hate him. No, he's got to earn their respect. He's got to win them over. That's on him to put in that work and do that work. Now, can he do it is the bigger question. I don't know. He better hope so, otherwise he is done. Right. Is that, uh, well, back to, to my Giants point, um, listen, I think right now the Giants are, you know, a team that, like, have breaks where, you know, we we have Daniel Jones, but at this point we're going to be forced to take him again next year because, you know, we're, we're already too good. It was like a, the success was kind of like a double-edged sword. Where you know you brought the cult, you know, the winning culture into the team, but at the same time now we have no chance of getting a a, a, a quarterback use a draft, and like right now we're stuck in the middle, and you saw that when it came to the trade deadline where they did absolutely nothing, where they, you know they they didn't say we're going to get this guy uh, you know a wide receiver, see if we could make the playoffs, and you know we could actually make a little push. But no, they just did anything. I said, you know what? We'll just do it, you know, play the way we, uh, what we have, and you know, just get into the first. Well, round but who's the guy you? And- who's the guy you want them to go get? And see, I thought that would have been reckless by Joe Shane. So I actually like what the Giants did, that they stood pat at the trade deadline. I think fans got overly excited. Oh, if we get a receiver, we could be. I mean, come on, they're not that good. They never were that good, and they aren't that good. They better hope that they win another couple of games here to be a, a, a postseason team because there's a chance that they're not and that things fall apart. But remember the expectations coming in. The Giants were never expected to be a playoff team. So no matter what happens here on out, they have had a successful year one under Brian Dable and Joe Shane. I wouldn't want to risk anything in the future to go, you know, not all in, but to go make a move that's solely based on this year where it's a team that realistically just isn't good enough. Yeah, well, I think as, as a GM, sometimes you have to pivot, depending on how good your, your team is. Right, but he didn't he didn't think this team was worth it. You think they're good enough? You think they're a receiver away from being as good as Dallas or Philadelphia? They're not. Yeah, but when, you, when, you throw, when you're throwing to somebody like Slayton, and, and you know, those, those are the type of right receivers. I thought, personally, Claypool was a good... Uh, pick up for a second, you know, a lower second round draft pick that they could have gone after and um, you know, at least give this guy somebody else to throw to. Yeah, but Daniel Jones, see Daniel Jones is part of the problem too. Like, you guys think that Daniel Jones, and thank you for the call, Eli, as always, appreciate checking in. The Giants don't have they have the third best quarterback in their own division. And, And I like Daniel Jones to a certain extent. I mean, I think he's been a a solid performer this year. And I love his leadership and his intangibles and all that stuff. But he's just not that good. He's not ne- For Daniel Jones to win, they're going to need everything else in place, meaning a better defense, which, by the way, their defense is not that good. I mean, you guys know that by now. We saw it against Detroit. We saw it with the Cowboys. Look, they're a very well-coached team. That is why they have seven wins. That is why they've been able to be in these games. That is why they've been able to be competitive. But they are built on Saquon Barkley running the football and also trying to have other teams beat themselves, making mistakes. They can't compete 
with Dallas and that offense when it's clicking. And Dallas wasn't even fully clicking on Thursday. They can't compete with Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia, although we haven't seen that yet head-to-head, but we will find out week 14 at MetLife. Washington is the one team that might be on the Giants' level or that the Giants might be on their level. Everybody talks about the Giants and how great a job they've done. Well, what about Washington now all of a sudden sitting at 7-5? and They look at this game and say, oh, the Giants, that's a winnable game. Meanwhile, the Giants are looking at them saying, oh, that's a winnable game. Well, we're going to find out here. We said if the Giants want to be taken seriously, they had to beat that, you know, win the game against the Lions and then go see what they're made of against Dallas. Well, they got smoked by the Lions and then they got beat up pretty good by Dallas. Well, now we're going to find out if they're going to be a playoff team here. They got to beat Washington. All right, they could beat the Colts week 17, but really their season will probably come down to the Washington games. Do the Giants have three wins left on their schedule? Colts, I'll give you one. Are they going to beat Minnesota Christmas Eve? I mean, they got to win one of the Washington games, at least. Not going to be easy. But I'm glad Joe Shane didn't go all in or go get a receiver. And same thing, I don't want Odell Beckham Jr. either. Whether the flight or whatever the hell was going on with that. And isn't it always something with Odell? I don't know what happened. I wasn't there. He could say... That, oh, I've never seen anything like this. You can't make this stuff up. We could read the reports. Who knows? Somebody have it in for them? I have no idea. But I do know this. It it shouldn't ever get to a point when you're getting kicked off of a plane. Something clearly went wrong. Like, is it that hard for people to listen? Now, there are some times if I'm on a flight, I have my iPad on when I'm not supposed to, and somebody or whatever, my headphones in, if it's time that we're supposed to be out, and somebody will come over and say, hey, sir, can you shut that off? What do you think I say? Yes, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am. I shut it off. If they Sometimes I forget. Oh, I'm not, or I don't even know. Oh, I'm not supposed to have this on now. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Or whatever it may be. But I listen to authority. That's just me. So I don't get how you could be in a situation where they're saying they thought the passenger wasn't well. They thought he was sick. He wasn't listening to him. How do you get to that point? And I'm sure it wasn't just a one-time thing. Sir, can you take those headphones off? Or, sir, can you wake up and put your seatbelt on? I'm sure it wasn't just a one-time thing. And he said, yeah, 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 I'll do it. I, I, I don't know. I feel like in that situation, too, why cause trouble? And anyway, forget about that, which may be a non-thing, but it is something. It's always something with Odell. I just would go in a different direction if I'm the Giants. M- move on. I know it sounds nice and sounds nostalgic and great. Giants are building something the right way here. And I I know Giant fans love Odell and want him back and feel like that would right a wrong. It was right by Gettleman to get rid of him. It would be wrong to bring Odell Beckham Jr. back here. He's let him go be Odell somewhere else. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Your official station to talk Jets. The Fan, 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Download it today. Still have a ton of stuff that I wanted to get to. We did a little AFC East. We did a little NFC East, a little Monday Night Football. Fleegs, did you see the end of this game here with Jeff Saturday messing up the uh, the timeout? I did not see that because I was on the air. Oh, I did. It, it turns out you might want to... Hi- now... I know most coaches stink at clock management, but right. maybe hiring a coach with any experience <laughs> would give you at least a better shot. Again, you could end up with a Todd Bowles who's been a head coach for four and a half years and still doesn't know how the clock works, but maybe I just maybe you would have nailed somebody. Bowles, that I saw where Bowles was being conservative, which just doesn't make any sense. Why would you not call the time out there? Listen, I just, I, as a Jet fan, you have three I love timeouts. it because uh, calling the timeouts, he, uh, fourth and two from the 37, Cleveland's 37 in the fourth quarter, he takes a delay a game to punt to net 22 yards, which is really 17 yards from when they took the delay of game on purpose. All in all, it ends up with him trusting his defense, ends up with his defense giving up the game-tying touchdown in the final few seconds. I just love that because as a Jet fan, you know, yeah, the roster stunk, there was a lot of dysfunction. You watched that team for four years. You knew Todd Bowles couldn't coach. And if you watch now, we're going to translate it to the Indianapolis Colts. Mm-hmm. Jeff Saturday was never the right hire for this. They burned Frank Reich. They messed with Matt Ryan before firing Frank Reich. That whole situation this year has been a disaster because Irsay and the GM want to blame everybody except for themselves. And now, you know, it's not not enjoyable to watch it blow up in their faces as they lose to the Steelers at home. So give me the give me the scenario because I missed it. I saw Matt Ryan's touchdown, then I saw the Steelers come back and answer. Short version, and they, they get the ball back, and they have it under the two-minute warning. They're driving. Colts have the ball back. The Colts have the ball. Down a touchdown. Their, their offense, the only time they were able to move the ball, they had that one, it was a 15 or 16-play drive right. where they ended up fumbling on the one-yard line. Yeah. Steelers yeah. recover it. They didn't have big plays. Even Joe Buck and Aikman said it. Everything underneath. There's right. no chunk plays. It's right. all dinging and dunking. It's a methodical offense slowly down the field. And that's what they're doing in this final drive. They're picking up first downs. They're moving the ball. How many timeouts do they have at this? All three of them. Okay. And, again, you know, they call that first play out of the two-minute warning. They pick up yards. And by the time they get the next playoff, there's a minute 30 left. Okay, you just wasted. There's 30 seconds out of the two minutes. Gone just like that. There's no urgency, and if there's no urgency, if you're not running to the line and calling these plays as quickly as possible, then call a timeout. Right. And then they even had one play where they picked up yards. I think it was a second and two or third and two. They 
are run, uh, running. The defense is running. It's now right around 30 seconds. They don't call a timeout. They and still have Buck, three Buck, timeouts They still have three at this point. And what? Buck, Buck and Aikman are on TV kind of like just befuddled because at this point, you're going to go into the end of this game with you know with one minute one, uh, ninety seconds. It's bad. With thirty seconds, you're not using these timeouts. And where are they have, on the field at this point? They were within like the around right the Steelers thirty maybe. Okay, they're within. So they've driven the range. ball to within the Steelers thirty. Let's right. say, but they they don't need a field goal. They need a touchdown. Right, and so they run up to the line. They're finally showing some urgency. They run up to the line. They call a quick run. It gets stuffed. Then they finally end up calling their timeout, and then they have the fourth down play. It gets stopped, and game over. And they end up with two timeouts in their pocket. Uh, I mean, I, I just don't understand it. And when I read some of the headlines, like, oh, Saturday in game management or time management, I was like, all right, well, how bad could it be? That, no, it was brutal, Sal. That is unbelievable. I, I don't. I walked in late, so I don't know if Fleegs went through it, but I actually had to go back and cut it up. So it was the first down, it was a sack. And, and, and from the 30, that too, right. And we all know calling. two minute, the one time, even if you don't want to, right. two minute drill, your quarterback gets sacked, the entire team is up the field, you call timeout. Second it's automatic. And, it's second and 17 after the sack. Right. Aikman's calling for a timeout. He's like, oh, I guess they're going to keep going. Ryan runs for about 15. Right. Scrambles for 15, and that's what Fleeves was talking to. Was about now 55, call a timeout. Now 55 seconds. And Joe Buck says, I assume they're going to call a timeout here. I guess not. And they, and they let it roll again. another 25 seconds down to about 35. They call an inside handoff. He loses two. You wind up with fourth and four, and they call a timeout before the fourth play, four down play. Uh, I, it's brutal. It's, it's brutal. It's inexcusable. Those three plays, the first down play when Matt Ryan gets sacked, they snapped the ball with 135. They called the, the play at the two-minute warning was fourth down. They picked it up. 25 seconds later, they call another play. It's first down with a minute 35 left. Matt Ryan gets sacked. By the time the third down play ends, and they have to call the timeout before the fourth down play, there were 30 seconds left. They wasted a minute and five seconds to go from so, the 33 to the 26. I mean, it's inexcusable. My only thought is that Saturday, and look, obviously there's no excuse for it. He should be fine. He should have never been hired in the first place. But he was thinking, and this is where you, you get, I mean, he's playing scared and thinking too much. I'm assuming he was thinking he didn't want to leave the Steelers any time. I think he thought on the third down play after Ryan scrambled, I think I can catch them off guard and get a quick inside handoff and get the first down. But meanwhile, your quarterback but who never runs He said so much after the game. I saw a quote on Twitter. He thought they would get the quick play. The Steelers would be maybe a little tired. They thought they had the right play called up. But even then, how are you not calling the timeout after the sack? And then even if you're thinking that, I get the thought process of, okay, defense might be tired. Your quarterback just got sacked. Then your old quarterback, who was never mobile when he, he was 25, anyway, right? just ran, you know, three-step drop, and then ran forward for 15 Time yards out. and dove forward. You know what? He's probably gassed. That's awful, and it's on Saturday. It's also on Matt Ryan. You're a veteran. You know what the hell's going on. You know that clock is running. Well, hold on I know a second. he looks over to the sideline, and Saturday gives him the signal to keep going. You know you're huffing and puffing. Call it. You want Call Matt it. Ryan to overrule the head? Now, look, Matt Ryan yeah. knows more than anybody in that yeah, building. Yeah, that includes a stupid owner. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know what? Yeah, sometimes, look. I can see Matty Ice, who's as competitive and fiery as, as there is. Hey, Jeff, call up. 
bleeping timeout. Right. Somebody should have. You've been in this game for how long? Why are you looking to the sideline? Do you same really need Jeff Brady, Saturday? Same reason Brady doesn't do it with Bulls, a guy who there's no way he respects. Right. We just, the, the quarterbacks don't do that. It's I, just not part of the I, game. Look, I get it, and I shouldn't. If Matt Brady's Ryan not going to do it. If, if Matt Ryan knows the second he stands up after he scrambled for 15 yards, he knows they should take a timeout right there. Don't look for the sideline to give you the signal to take a timeout. Just take it. You know you got to take it. You know you should take it. Yeah, Just take it. I don't know. And then I... Saturday turns around and says, "Well, I wanted to keep going." You look at him and you go, "That's all right. We, we're we're good. Let's settle down now." Like you, you just automatically. I, I mean, I know maybe that's a bit much, but you've been playing for how long? And then it becomes and Ryan already a guy who's been through the ringer there. I and then it, it becomes oh he did he wanted he. I just showed I'm surprised. up his coach by teaching him how to but manage see, that's the, the thing, clock. Like, I don't think we would have known that. I think it would have just been, don't look for the I, permission. Just I, do it. I, I want to know what the logic is, though. It had to be he's worried about the Steelers having enough Again, time to come down and kick a field goal, I right? I get like, that if you're maybe if you're at the 6 and not the 26, maybe at that right. point, your offense is getting 5, you 8, need, 10 you, yards. You can't worry about right. what they're going to be you're doing. At, you have to count on running at least, even if your plays are successful, all successful. You have to run three more plays just to get into the end zone, and that's the minimum. So again, it, it comes down to Jeff Saturday. You would I want to say the inexperience, but the reality is most of these coaches in these situations they're terrible. There, hire a guy, pay him a hundred, a hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, the million billion dollar organizations to sit up in the box that runs the numbers and says, "Hey, coach, this is where you use the timeout." Yeah. Timeout, you idiot! The That's funny, what I'd be yelling at him. Most Par- coaches, Parcells had a guy for part yeah. of his career. Most coaches though are the other way. They usually burn the timeouts too fast, right? He actually was smart enough to have all three when he needed it down right. the stretch. And usually, I mean, you know, you get a scramble and it's like a minute 55 left. You're at the 45-yard timeout. Like, no, no, slow down. You got a right. minute 55. You relax. Don't get freaked out and rushed. Saturday was opposite. It was almost to the point where it's like, well, you know you got him, right? Like, you know you don't get to keep him? Like, uh, how much bad clock management three? did we see? We all watched the game on Thanksgiving and we're all screaming at our TVs. Dan Campbell, hey, wake up. Right. You know, what are you right. doing on this drive? Some of these coaches, they just... I know it's hard. They're dealing with a lot in those moments. So hire somebody else to focus on that because oh, they oh almost God. all get it wrong. That all is the time. that one's a jaw dropper. Like I don't recall ever seeing one as. Now look, obviously guys have mismanaged clocks, like you said, all the time. But to have three timeouts in your pocket, he said afterward, I didn't think time was of the essence. I mean, dude, you you just. For no I mean, time reason. wasn't of the essence. The clock literally ran yeah. out on you guys in this game. Right. Yeah, it wasn't until you didn't call any timeouts. Funny part was they should have. Why would be even bother on the third down play to burn one? You could have used them on the other time when you turned the ball over. Maybe you could have got it back. <laughs> could have used all three. They wouldn't have been able to go to victory victory formation. <laughs> That is true. That's a great line. I mean, we have a chance to get the ball back with two seconds what left. What the hell are the you doing? <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hyundai. 